AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Soybeans rallied double digits, building back Brazil weather premium with wheat down for the second day on profit-taking and corn follows. Cattle futures extend gains for a second day, while hogs fail to hold early gains. Live from a macaroon cookie kind of week, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we begin with a conversation with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net and later carry our tack from artacadvisory.com. Directly following the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, filling in for Chip, on loan from Ag Day, these boots were made for talking, Michelle Rook. Wow, that's quite the introduction there, Davis. Good afternoon. Well-deserved, yeah, too. You. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Well, first time in the saddle doing this on the PM show, so mm-hmm. um, I will be leaning on you for assistance, obviously, but thanks for letting me do this. And um, oh. I don't know. You guys got this cookie theme going on. I don't know that mm-hmm. I know much about the background about that. You d- okay, so you've have you tried a macaroon cookie? Is it macaroon? Oh yeah, I've tried macaroons, but it seems yeah. like every day of the week is a different cookie for you and Chip. So mm-hmm. and the, the the thread that connects them all is a lack of chips. <laughs> okay, that's gotcha. the idea. Like I could have, you know, I yeah. could have said live from a day where I packed just a sandwich. You know, it's a little deeper. You got to think about it. There's no chips in my lunchbox that day. See what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah. A lot of inside stuff going on, inside stories that I haven't quite caught up with yet. It's not that deep. You'll catch up quick, Michelle. Yeah. Well, a mix closed here today. Um, I guess Mm -hmm. some volatility over and especially soybeans in the wheat market today, Davis. For sure. That's uh, And the soy complex, too, really had my attention. Um, Been moving in opposite directions. One goes one way and then then they switch today, you know, higher in concert. And the, the beans sure liked it. What got me was I was thinking that the cattle market was going to have a good day. You know, right up until the morning show, it looked okay. And then the bottom fell out. And, man, I I don't know what happened there. I really don't. Well, I mean, at least we held on to a few gains here for the day, I guess. And we'll take them second straight day that we've seen that. I guess the big question everybody wants to know is, is the bottom in? And will last week's contract lows hold here? So that's the big key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Isn't that always the question? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is the bottom end. And will the contract lows hold? Absolutely. I know cattle have been really tough lately. A $60 loss there in feeder cattles from the high to the low is yeah. kind of unexpected here in this kind of market. But Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get us updated on all of the news of the day. Absolutely. Well, following a string of gains... Wheat futures extended Friday's corrective losses, falling double digits across all three flavors today. Rain is forecast for HRW wheat areas this week, and that could set the stage for greatly improving spring crop development potential, this according to World Weather. Meanwhile, most winter wheat areas in the Midwest are favorably rated, with little change likely. 
USDA reported wheat export inspections of 282,000 metric tons. That was up from the previous week and within the range of pre-report trade expectations. March HRW wheat futures 28 and three quarters lower today, 632 and a quarter. March SRW wheat dipped 22 and one quarter cents to 609 and one half. March spring wheat closed at 710 and one half, 19 cents lower today, Michelle. Yeah, pretty ugly day. We'll find out here if this is just some routine profit taking after about a dollar rally in SRW wheat or if it's a little more than that from a fundamental standpoint, I guess. Well, corn futures followed wheat futures to the downside despite strength in the soy complex. Bulk shippers hauling grain from the U.S. Gulf to Asia are sailing longer routes and paying higher freight costs to avoid vessel congestion and record high transit fees in the drought-stricken Panama Canal. According to China's National Bureau of Statistics, China produced a record corn crop this year, up 4% from a year earlier. Meanwhile, USDA reported corn export inspections 712,000 metric tons during the weekend of December 7. That's down from the previous week and just above the bottom end of pre-report estimates. March corn futures today were four cents lower, 481 and one half. May corn down three and a half cents, 494. July corn futures closed at 503 and one half, down two and one half cents today. Michelle, China reports it grew a record corn crop. Who can believe that? <laughs> I don't believe anything China says. I'm sorry. I really don't I either. Skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be and skeptical. And corn kind of felt like it wanted to go with soybeans early. And then when wheat broke, it decided to go the other direction. So yeah. kind of caught in the middle today. Well, soybean futures were buoyed by a sharp rise in soy meal and soybean oil futures. Today, USDA reported a daily soybean sale of 132,000 metric tons to unknown destinations for 2324. World Weather Inc. says Brazil's weekend rainfall was a little disappointing, and the forecast for the coming week to 10 days will continue to promote an erratic rainfall pattern. USDA reported soybean export inspections, 984,000 metric tons. That was down from last week, but still within the pre-report range of estimates. January soybeans, 32 cents higher today, 1336. March beans firmed 30 and one quarter cents to 1353 and a quarter. May beans closed at 1365, and that's up 27 and three quarter cents. Nice move in the soybeans today, Michelle. Yeah. And uh, of course, we put back pretty much everything we lost last week. We took out weather premium the end of the week last week. It looked like on these Brazil forecasts, which looked like we were going to get some rain. We'll yep. see if Jack thinks that maybe we were a little disappointed about that today. For sure. Uh, let's move along quickly so we can get to Jack here. March cotton, 46 points higher, 81.90. On the livestock's February fat cattle wound up higher, $2.17.5 to 167.90. Jan feeders up 265 to close at 217.95. And on the snout side, February hogs down today, $1.65, 62, 32, and one half. Michelle, over to you. Thank you so much, Davis. Let's bring in Jack Scoville with Price Futures Group and kind of a mixed day here in the grains, Jack, and soybeans leading the upside. Uh, was this market a little disappointed in some of those weekend rains or looking forward at the forecast in Brazil? Well, I think I think both. Uh, the, the, the weekend rains were considered a disappointment. The, we didn't get quite as much as everybody expected. Uh, I've been told to expect, really, and um, <coughs> excuse me. The um, <clears throat> the uh, forecasts for this week are still for for below normal rains, <clears throat> and many areas going to miss out on these rains. So, all in all, a very um, uh, still a very dry outlook in central and northern Brazil, 
And on the other hand, uh, southern Brazil is still getting pounded by uh, excessive amounts of rain. Really, only Argentina is in good shape. So it's a kind of interesting that the meal and oil were able to rally because uh, Argentina is the largest exporter of products in the world. But if we're going to take all the soybeans out of Brazil uh, off the table, then uh, there's room for, for the products to rally as well, and that's what happened. You bet. Corn and the, the, the corn and the wheat, uh, well, wheat down and some disappointment that, that we're not getting more sales to the Chinese. And it looks like corn just kind of was uh, going along with wheat. Didn't really feel the uh, threat from Brazil just yet. I don't understand that part, but... Uh, because it is real, it's um, it's there's going to be less acres planted to corn this year down there, but uh, nobody seems to be too terribly worried about it. Yeah, do you think wheat also kind of ran up into some chart resistance technically? I mean, we had a big run there of almost a buck in the SRW wheat. Oh well, yeah, we were over, we were getting overbought. There's, you know, it, it was a heck of a run. Yeah, and to see the market coming back off shouldn't be a big surprise. But uh, why it happened today instead of maybe tomorrow or late last week, you know, uh, it seems like China is the, is the reason is the reason being given why. Okay, great. Thanks for joining us, Jack Scoville with Price Futures Group. We'll be back with Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net coming up next. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We don't make the news. We render it. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rookin for Tip Flory this afternoon. Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net is joining us and pleasure to have you with us, Matt. Uh, certainly, it has been quite a ride in the soybeans here today. Were we just putting back some Brazil weather premium? I know there was some forecast before we went into the weekend that they were going to maybe get some pretty good rain chances. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like you go home on Fridays assuming you're going to get decent rainfall here the last couple, three weeks. 
And then you come in with disappointing, uh, I guess, it just doesn't verify. And so, you know, I talked to a couple of different guys this morning that I, I guess I lean on a little bit for weather uh, advice and, you know, are saying the same thing. You know, it's just been kind of disappointing, uh, uh, you know, follow through as far as looking at what the forecasts are saying is going to happen and what actually does happen. And so you come in here and you, you know, you race higher, which is interesting, uh, you know, as Jack was saying, because you look over at the wheat and it just got smoked and yeah. then, uh, you know, corn could never get anything going as well. How much weather premium do you think we need to have in the soybean market now versus maybe in a couple of weeks if these forecasted rains just do not happen? That's the thing, Michelle, that's tough to to figure out. You know, you you talk to different people and they'll say, oh, this this bean crop in Brazil can't go under a 155 or it can't go under a 150 or whatever it might be. You know, when I stop and I look at, for instance, world stocks, you know, it looks like as of last Friday's report, USDA is expecting we're going to build world soybean stocks year on year, you know, to the tune of 13, 14 million tons. And so, you know, if you go ahead and you take that 161 down, oh, I don't know, sub 150, uh, let's say you take it to 150, you take 11 million tons out of it. If USDA's numbers are uh, somewhat close, you're still going to build stocks year on year. So we all know that, you know, if you start basically extracting production out of Brazil, it's going to drive prices higher. You know, it could actually uh, hurt demand, you know, and if that's the case, you know, maybe you have a few more stocks yet. Yeah. So I don't know how much more premium I think we should tack on here. Could we make another run at $14 on some of these contracts? I certainly think that that's well within the possibility. I mean, you're up 26 to, uh, to 32 cents today, you know, as far as your first four months were concerned. And so, you know, it wouldn't be that big of a stretch to think that could happen. But I think that would be more of a, a selling opportunity, I guess, the way that I'm looking at things, uh, looking at uh, the world stock situation currently, because I think you're going to have to just really waylay this Brazilian crop if you're going to get uh, substantially stronger than that. Okay. So how much would we have to cut in your opinion to get us back over 14 then? Because, you know, some of the private estimates have been down to what is low, what, 155 maybe? Yeah. I mean, so if you're 155, again, you're only 6 million tons below USDA's current number. I just don't know that that's enough of a cut. You know, whenever I'm looking at this, you got to also think about, you know, what's US acres going to be here this year? And I think US True. acres are going to be robust. I don't know that you're going to get 90 by any means, but I do think that, you know, you're going to outdo last year's acreage by three to 4 million acres anyway. And it's going to give you a little bit of a buffer, if you will, that if the US doesn't have perfect weather this year, we're still going to raise a decent crop. Kind of what's going on in Brazil. Brazil, you continue to throw more acres at this thing. And it means that you could have several areas that don't necessarily turn out all that great and still overall produce a very large crop. Then, of course, we can't uh, forget that it's basically a foregone conclusion that Argentina is going to raise a better crop than last year, considering the severity of the drought they had last year. So uh, it certainly looks like world production is going to be strong enough to meet demand as of right now. Uh, and I, I certainly like seeing this price action. I just don't know that we need to get super bullish if we do get to $14. Is China becoming concerned enough, Matt, that it's going to translate into some additional export business for the U.S. on beans? You've got to think that uh, they're watching this as close as anybody. So anytime that I see China step in and buy a few U.S. beans, I mean, yes, uh, we're, we're competitive on the world market at the current time. I think that it's going to be interesting, though, you know, with the Panama Canal situation, you know, just uh, how competitive we'll be able to be out of the Gulf. Uh, P&W is only going to be able to handle so much business moving forward. And, and quite frankly, they're not in the game right now. So, yeah, I do think China will probably step in and buy more beans if they start to hit the panic button. Uh, they can always... Uh, 
cancel and replace later on if they have to. But uh, uh, bottom line is, I think that uh, China's watching as close as anybody. And you know that they've got, uh, uh, got a lot riding on this. So I think that some of the purchases we've seen lately uh, are a sign that they're at least paying very close attention. Uh, and I think that if you see those pick up substantially, I think you're going to start to realize that China doesn't think that their crop's going to turn out all that great in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Yeah, you and I have talked as well about the fact that a lot of this bean rally or this premium we've held too has been on the heels of higher soybean meal. And of course, Argentina is going to rebound. And then what happens here in what, three, four months when that crop is maybe a normal crop, then does soybean meal just kind of deflate or what? Well, that's that's definitely something that we could see happen. I mean, when you see continued expansion in the crush industry here in the U.S., you know you're going to have more of an available supply of soybean meal. And so, you know, if, if Argentina comes in and they're exporting anywhere close to the percentage uh, on the world market that they have in the past, you know, years and years and years, they were 50 percent or more of the world market. Obviously, that didn't happen this year. But, you know, if you do have Argentina in, uh, they definitely are very efficient in being able to put uh, competitively priced meal out there on the market. And if that's the case, then I've got to think that uh, you could see some downside in this meal market. All right. So January beans today closing at 1336. So I think we've got pretty good moving averages, maybe the 50 up at the what, 1340 level. Is it that where you're starting to make some sales or are you going to wait till it gets above that level, you think? Yeah, I mean, when you look at where we closed here today, okay, so you've got the 100-day, you've got the, uh, you've also got the 20-day right. basically coming in right here where we closed. And so if you would push on up above this, you know, I think you could see some technical buying continue to come in here. We know, though, uh, it's all going to depend on what's the forecast over the next, uh, you know, it's, it's like being in the middle of July in the U.S., you know, right now. And I know they're not at that point in their growing season, but people are watching so intently and so closely, you know, what the forecast looks like moving forward. And so I struggle to think that you can push on up above these moving averages and even go revisit, you know, that $14 level we saw just uh, a few weeks ago here. You know, I, I hesitate to, to think that we're going to see that without just a pretty rough looking forecast. But, you know, I, I don't see any problem whatsoever with a person stepping in here and making some sales. I think the biggest issue I would see with the kind of strength that you see on a day like today is if we don't step in and put some sort of worst case scenario type strategy together, whether it's a floor or whether it's, uh, you know, selling a few beans and, you know, waiting around, see if maybe you want to sell a call or buy a call. Uh, but bottom line is, I think just sitting here getting bullish just because the market's going up, which is what we typically do. I mean, that's just the way our mentality works. I don't think that that's the right thing to do at uh, 1336 beans. Gotcha. So the corn market was not able to follow beans today, got pulled down by the wheat market. But I want to talk to you about the second crop, Safrina corn. And at what point does that become a concern because of the lateness of the Brazilian soybean crop and maybe even some of the replant that we've heard of? Yeah, I mean, that is definitely something that we have to pay close attention to. I mean, you talk to growers down there and they'll say anywhere from, you know, two to six weeks is what some of this safrina crop, if it gets planted, uh, would get planted, how late it could be. And so, you know, with that being the case, I mean, you, you know, you, the safrina crop is definitely susceptible to dryness at the heels of pollination. It's, it's uh, dry season sets in. 
you know, and, and your growers will tell you that as long as they can get that spring crop planted in good time, they feel very confident that they can have a pretty strong crop. And of course, that's where most of your acres come in. And so, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I think that the trade right now is just kind of a got the mentality, if you will, that this is a path of least resistance is lower type situation. You've got huge world stocks, you know, building world stocks, you know, well over 300 million tons, according to USDA. And then, of course, you got the U.S. situation where your balance sheet's basically going from a, a 135 to a 2.1 plus. And so, you know, you're, you're building essentially 50 percent uh, stocks above last year. And that, that's just a tough environment you know, to expect a strong rally. So you're going to need, uh, again, uh, I think a pretty serious situation to develop with Safran. Now, as Jack suggested, they're going to plant less uh, second crop corn this year. And right. so that uh, definitely makes you more susceptible uh, to this market taking off and going. If the weather doesn't treat them correctly, that could be a little bit of a lifeline for this corn market at a time when it, it, it probably needs one. Yeah. And of course, it does need, need export demand as well, maybe as another factor to push it. Um, China, we've been hearing that maybe they're in buying off of the PNW. Do you think that we're going to get any confirmation of that? I mean, that's that's the big question. You know, we've had rumors floating around for the last 10 days, I believe, right. that, you know, China's in buying corn, you know, and, and let's be real about it. If, if they have bought corn, uh, typically we find out after the fact, uh, you know, and a lot of times uh, that's frustrating for growers. I totally understand that. But, uh, you know, they don't necessarily want anybody knowing what they're doing. So uh, they want to try to do everything possible i guess to to keep that from impacting the market because if they're buying corn you know then there's a reason for that i mean they have a level of concern uh, that if they have needs on down the road even if it's a little bit farther on out because you know we're hearing about a little bit you know potential stocks building of them potentially if that's the case uh you know and they're buying corn now it's because they think that this thing's going to take off and move so you know it'd be very interesting to see if we get verification as of right now yeah. i've got to think the chinese are going to buy corn uh, a matter of how much they're going to be able to buy off the U.S. is uh, probably the biggest question. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about that and if China's going to be in to buy more wheat coming up here, stay with us. More AgriTalk coming up with Matt Bennett, agmarket.net. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. 
Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Or March, HRW wheat futures were 28 and three quarter cents lower, 632 and one quarter. March, SRW wheat off 22 and one quarter cents to 609 and one half. March corn futures were four cents lower, 481 and one half. May corn softened three and one half cents to 494. January soybean futures were 32 cents higher, 1336. March beans up 30 and one quarter cents to 1353 and one quarter. March cotton 46 points higher today, 81.90. On your livestock's February fat cattle up 217 and a half to 167.90. January feeder futures burned to 265 to close at 217.95. And February hog futures off a buck 65 to 67.32 and one half. Get more market news every market day. Visit tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Well, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Flory today, and we're continuing our discussion with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, we kind of were talking a little bit about the corn market, whether China was going to be in buying any more corn or any corn from the U.S. off the PNW, um, because maybe some of our Panama Canal issues are going to stifle a few of those exports going that direction. Do you see if we get export business from China, is that the direction it'll go because we're having problems uh, getting ships through the Panama Canal? Yeah, as of right now, it looks like that's the direction that it should go. Uh, you know, and so you, you look at the uh, FOB values, you know, we, we take a look at that, uh, whether it's corn, beans, you name it. But, you know, you look, for instance, at corn and last week, I believe towards the end of the week, you were looking at FOB values of like, oh, I don't know, around 212 a metric ton, uh, you know, out of the Gulf where it was, you're running 234, 235 out of the PNW. So um, Brazil was 232 just for reference sake. And so, you know, I mean, bottom line is uh, they're going to try to go where it makes the most sense. But, you know, I don't know, Michelle, if, if uh, you know, that is figured and going around, you know, you're going to have to go around a big continent one way or the other right now. It sure looks right. like to me. And so, you know, I think that, that that's definitely something we have to pay close attention to. Now, like I said before, you know, you can move out of the PNW, but, you know, I don't know what the volume would look like. Um, you know, and of course, it's not just uh, on the Gulf. It's not just uh, the Panama Canal we're worried about. You know, we, we really need to see uh, really good rainfall throughout the uh, Mississippi uh, Rivershed area because uh, bottom line is we're still running fairly low draft levels. So, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, it, it's an issue. It's been an issue off and on for the last uh, year now. And uh, we certainly have to hope that that kind of clears itself up here for too long. 
Yeah, and it's too bad that we can't move more right now because Brazil corn prices are actually above the U.S. We're very competitive, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. We are competitive. Like I said, you know, FAW values right now, they're higher than we are, uh, whether you're talking golf or PNW. So, you know, I've got to think that uh, that's going to factor in moving forward. I don't think, um, you know, the it sure has seen the trend you know, over the last uh, year or two, at least, but, you know, here uh, in the recent past that China doesn't want to do business with us unless they absolutely have to, but at the same right. time, if the finances work, they're going to do it. And so um, I've got to think that, um, you know, we've got an opportunity uh, here uh, where the Chinese are going to step in. Of course, they've wanted to buy some of this corn out of Ukraine. It's significantly cheaper yet, uh, but how much they've got available is the big question mark. You know, there, there's not going to be a ton of corn available still there. So um, you've got to think that, uh, you know, moving forward they'll have corn uh but they kind of ran for fairly thin last year actually ukraine explored a lot more corn than what people thought uh you know we thought that it was going to be an absolute train wreck but uh, they were able to get a fair amount on the world market and you got to expect they'll get some this year as well but uh, china can only buy so much off of them so matt i also want to get your take on the argentina election of course the president new president inaugurated last night he's talking about maybe dollarizing the peso you know maybe doing things to curb inflation and could take off those value-added taxes is that a concern we need to have for our market here on corn you know i yes I, the bottom line for argentina i mean they they've uh, they do enjoy uh, exporting as much corn as possible and they've been a force at times and so you know if they could get straightened out as far as uh, producers being able to sell uh, you know and not have to time it for instance with their fertilizer purchases I mean it's just you know we think we've got problems in the U.S. but some of these folks aren't able to buy inputs you know uh, unless they do it at the same time as you know selling their output whether it's corn or beans or whatever it is they're selling you know, because inflation is just so wildly out of control. And so uh, using their crops as an inflation hedge, if they were able to get away from that uh, moving forward and be able to have a, a less, I guess, uh, extreme seasonality to their uh, sales, uh, I've got to think that that's going to be uh, put them as a, a little more of a formidable force uh, more of the year than what they've uh, seen over the last several years. We will see what happens with that. Uh, wheat market, let's talk about that one. Lower today, some big losses for the second straight day. So, you know, is that just general profit taking or was this market really disappointed that we didn't see any flash sales to China this morning? Well, you know, you, you look out here at the wheat market and yes, absolutely. But the thing is, you know, you've had all these flash sales lately. The wheat market absolutely took off on a bender. You know, uh, late uh, October, uh, you're running in that, you know, mid 580s level. And then all of a sudden you turn around, you know, and you tack uh, 60 cents on the market. And of course, uh, last week, you kind of bumped up on this uh, 100 day moving average. Yep. And then we just kind of fell back, you know. And so it sure looks like we're trying to find some support in here. Uh, but bottom line is right now, uh, today was a pretty rough day. Um, again, I think maybe it just kind of highlights that if you don't throw a steady dose of uh, export activity or good news, if you will, at this wheat market this time of year, it's pretty tough to expect rallies. I mean, you look at the U.S. balance sheet, you look at the world balance sheet, and we're tighter than historics. You know, I mean, uh, usually you've, you've had half a year's worth of uh, wheat sitting around at the end of the marketing year. That's not necessarily the case anymore. And I think the world's just trying to get a little more comfortable with it. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like we can get much of a rally in our wheat market before we're not price competitive, right? 
Absolutely. You know, uh, we were price competitive there for a while. And then of course you skyrocket because uh, you get a bunch of these flash sales makes me think that these flash sales didn't happen whenever they were announced. And so uh, with that being the case, um, you know, you don't get any more flash sales in here. And I think that's just evidence, if you will, again, that the timing of these uh, sales uh, as far as the timing uh, versus the timing of the announcements, uh, there's probably a little more uh, range there than what maybe some of us would like to see. And I think uh, the wheat market's just kind of suffering a little bit because you come in here at the start of the week, people are hoping, hey, let's keep this uh, train rolling. And, uh, you know, we just didn't get any good news here this morning. Yeah, it's China done buying, you think? I doubt it. I mean, it, it's tough yeah. to tell, but I doubt it. I, I think that they'll probably be in to buy more wheat, but, you know, are they going to, after seeing the kind of reversal we've saw here, you know, are they going to step in and, and buy right now? Are they going to kind of see if we see, you know, a little more of a, a sell-off? And if uh, you go back down and you test, uh, you know, the lows that we saw again, uh, that we saw towards the end of last month, um, you know, I think that you could see them step in aggressively and maybe buy some more wheat. Because uh, again, they're talking, maybe there could be some stocks building uh, going on there that they been approved to do so if that's the case then i think that you'll see them buy maybe corn and wheat yeah we'll see if they get to the stage where they were though in 2020 when they had that big buying spree it's probably not the same is it I don't believe that it is. I don't no. think that you've got uh, them in the mood to to do something like that. I mean, obviously, their economy has been a little more shaky than what you would have called it in 2020. And yeah. so uh, with that being the case, I just don't see them stepping in and getting a super aggressive. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if they think commodities are overall cheap, you know, and you'll read different things that say commodities and inflation adjust are overall cheap. Uh, but at the same time, uh, right now, it just seems like we're fighting an uphill battle, especially in these grains. The other thing that produced this rally, though, too, in the wheat was that the funds were record short in all three of the exchanges combined. They have peeled off some of that short position. What do they need to keep covering that short position, do you think, either technically or fundamentally? I think that you've got to see a little bit of both uh, to get them real excited. I mean, uh, looking specifically at the wheat market, you know, uh, last week, whenever you went up there and you busted above the 100 day, if you just saw some fall through buying, I think you just saw the funds maybe jump on board and try to go up towards that 200 day. And if that would have been the case, obviously, uh, that would have had to have been fueled by the funds. And so uh, technically, fundamentally, you name it, I think that you got to continue to see strong demand uh, and basically kind of trim a little bit of, uh, of the fat off of these uh, carryout numbers, even though, again, versus historics, they're fairly snug. As far as corn goes, you know, I think that uh, the same type of thing. I mean, I think that uh, the corn market's just fighting a, a major battle here. Uh, if you want to get bullish, uh, you really got to trim a lot off. Off this South American crop, just due to the fact that we're in a stocks building environment. I mean, bottom line, we had high prices, you know, and that encouraged quite a bit of uh, uh, production over the last two years. And of course, it curbed a little bit of demand. And with that being the case, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at these uh, really strong world numbers. And again, a two billion plus number on corn isn't typically what we equate with five dollar corn. Yeah. Let me ask you quick about the cattle market up for the second day. It's been a while since we've been able to put a couple of days together. Are we confirming a bottom off of last week's contract lows or is this just another opportunity where the funds are going to come in and sell on this strength? 
You know, that that's the question. What are the funds going to do? I mean, overall, with the long haul, I'd be a buyer here more so than a seller. And I'm not trying to speculate here. I'm just saying that I feel like we went down enough for the time being. Whenever I look at this 165, 170 level, you know, uh, those are levels that we aspired to get to before, Michelle. But, you know, we weren't sitting at 65-year lows in the U.S. herd inventory. You know, yes, there's been a few Mexican cattle come in, I'm assuming. I mean, most of us have talked about that a little bit. But overall... We're pulling these cattle forward, and I think what you're going to do is you're going to see some extremely low cattle on feed numbers at some point in 24. You may have to wait till the second or third quarter, but I think when you get those, uh, my opinion is that uh, you could uh, take off on a bender higher once again. I don't know that you go back to $200, but I think that you'd have some fuel for that fire maybe. Yeah, if you're putting these heifers into the feedlot, that's going to make a marketing hold down the road somewhere, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, at some point, you, you know, you continue to put heifers in the lot, then what you're doing is you're shrinking your herd inventory uh, more and more and more. And at some point, you know, uh, people are going to say, hey, you know what, I want to go ahead and own these gals. Uh, I've healed up financially. My pastures have healed up. Whenever we can say that in earnest, I think that you're going to turn around and see some uh, 80s on catalog feed numbers, you know, maybe even uh, in the low 80s. I, I think that you could see excessively low numbers versus the previous year. And when that happens, I think that the market's going to uh, get caught just a little bit off guard, even though it's something that we should all expect. Cattle market really sensitive to economic news. We got FOMC decision this week, CPI, PPI. So, you know, any thoughts about the overall state of the economy and what does the Fed do this week? Well, you know, you look over at the Dow, for instance, and you're 36.4, you know? I mean, good Lord. I don't think the Fed uh, does anything with rates whatsoever. Okay. You know, but bottom line is uh, I think cattle are going to uh, probably uh, divorce themselves from just looking completely at the uh, at the stocks right now and, and, and in equities. I think cattle are going to stay strong uh, moving forward once you start looking at tighter numbers. All right. Thanks for joining us. That is Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We will be back to talk technical charts next go on the offensive against weeds with antares complete from helena antares complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses with a balanced premix of three herbicides antares complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster more vigorous start to the season Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days unless you listen to AgriTalk. 
Ladies love Dwight Yoakam. Michelle Rook, can you confirm? Oh, yeah. Oh, an enthusiastic confirmation. I love it. Well, you know, those tight jeans, I guess it is. But I wasn't going to say that. No. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I got to give him credit where credit is due, you know? Absolutely. So, Not everybody can wear yeah. jeans that tight, you know, in front of people. Yeah. No less. I think <laughs> they paint those on. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty sure about them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the technical part of the market is one I really love to talk about. And I think uh, we have Carrie Artec back with us from Artec Advisory to talk about some chart action here today. And uh, let's look at March corn futures first of all. A pretty sideways pattern here, Carrie. But what are you looking at or watching in that chart? Well, you're absolutely right. It has been sideways for a very long time, really since the August time frame for the last four or five months. But what I'm I'm going back to charts that are about you know 10 years or so. There's a former six-year horizontal channel top that we pushed through in 2021 that set off a big rally. Uh, there was a lot of action upside that followed all that. And now we're easing back to that channel top that is at 460 half, 460.50. It's a pretty static level because it's a sideways flat uh, former channel top that has actually performed pretty well the last month and a half in containing these longer term selling pressures. Uh, most recently when uh, the December contract tested it, we rolled a couple of weeks from December to March. March is now appreciably higher at 481 half, but 460 half is the floor of long-term support that can absorb selling pressures into spring summer of next year. And above which, uh, the very low 540s, I think, are realistic over the next three to five months. Now, there's no impetus right now for upside trade. I do think that would change if we were to close this week above 499 even, which doesn't look likely at this point in time, but you never know. Over the next week or two, if we close above 499 even, I think that sets off follow-through buying. Within three to five weeks of that, we actually could push to 540 half. Uh, that is a meaningful resistance that can contain buying into possibly through next spring. On to March wheat. Um, this is a similar situation with the wheat market. If you follow that chart, not as long drawn out uh, congestive framework as corn has been in, but about two months worth of sideways trade. And we pushed through the top side of that last week. There's also a horizontal channel structure that represents that two months of consolidation that this week is at 6.05 half. We closed today 6.09 half. We closed above that area last Friday. I do see follow through buying likely above 605 half expecting 682 and three quarter over the next three to five weeks or so say by the end of january and really over the next several months i wouldn't be surprised to see the low seven dollar area i have a channel top that's about a year long at 738 even now and i consider that to be a somewhat realistic two to three month target if we were to close above 682 and three quarter over the next three to five weeks then we're another three to five weeks away from reaching that 738 even resistance where we could actually top out into spring, summer, perhaps of next year. Downside, if we close the week back below 605 half, uh, I see that as a good high through January. We should ease back to 560 and a quarter within three to five weeks. That is a level that can contain selling perhaps through February and is a big downward pivot point into spring. If we were to close below 560 and a quarter, 456 even, then I think a realistic three to five month downside objective. But right now, things be seem to be pointing upward for wheat as we move into January above 605 half. And finally, 
January feeder cattle. I've been covering the the cattle markets a lot the last few weeks, uh, as you might expect. Lots of volatility there. Last week, we tested a three-year channel bottom that I mentioned on your show was in the 211 handle. I forget the exact number, but this week's number is 212.77. And we closed above that three-year channel bottom uh, last week after spending much of the early week below it. And with the last Friday's rally, pushes right back above it, keeps us in the sort of uh, potential recovery dynamic that's uh, significant. We could see the mid-240s over the next few months uh, above 212.77. Our upward pivot point, if we close this week above 217.40, that should add fuel to this uh, potential rally off of 212.77. Now, I like to use 1% violation thresholds. And so if we close this week, Friday, below 212.77, that is a three-year channel bottom, I like to see the 1% mark 210.65. So if we close Friday, 210.65 or lower January feeder cattle, that actually sets up significant long term price erosion that will continue down to 184.15 within two to three months. And we could by this point next year or sooner attest 146 even. This is a church steeple formation after all. And the backside of that, the downside is only about 30% complete uh, potentially. And it, uh, there's plenty more where that came from if we close this week uh, 210.65 or lower. And that's all I've got, Michelle. Well, Quick question for you. You know, the January feeders from the contract high to the contract low was almost a $60 break. Have you ever seen a break like that in cattle? Not numerically, no, but wow. relatively similar. If you go to that 2014 high, it was a similar setup. It took about a year and a half for us to rally. It became increasingly vertical the last six months. And then when we topped out, we had a similar drop, not in the number terms, but in terms of the raw percentage, it wasn't altogether different. Wow. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, Carrie Artec with Artec Advisory. And if you need a free two-week trial, you can go to artecadvisory.com. That's A-R-T-A-C. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Davis, you, let's yeah. talk a little bit about uh, the weather here coming okay. up. Um, it I think you been... might like it. Yeah. I, well, it has been a great month of December and November, I think. Can we keep it going? Well, according to the National Weather Service, this is uh, updated today, valid December 17 to 21. This is the 6 to 10-day outlook. Above normal temperatures everywhere in the United States, with the exception of, just call it the Gulf Coast. Everybody else above normal temperatures, the, the deepest, darkest, nastiest chances for above normal temperatures are squarely over the Dakotas. Nebraska, kind of out west there, a little bit of Montana, Wyoming. Uh, and then uh, our below normal temperatures are clear down southern Florida, clear down at the uh, southern hook of Texas there. Precip, uh, pretty much everybody except for the uh, south corners in the east and west, below normal precipitation expected. The heat expands in the 8 to 14 day outlook. Um, and we bring in some precipitation through the southwest, still dry in areas of the northern plains and the eastern part of the United States. Michelle. Oh, I like it. And I told you, I'll take a brown Christmas. That's fine. It'll be me. fine. I think we're getting it. Yep. All right. Well, thanks uh, for that update there on our weather forecast. And we thank all of our guests here today. Uh, join us tomorrow for AgriTalk in the morning. We're going to be talking about COP28 with folks from Solutions from the Land. I'm Michelle Rook in for Chip Flory, and you are listening to AgriTalk. <music>